0: days, there is plenty to worry about. But the truth is that we weren't made to carry around so much worry in our hearts. It weighs us down emotionally, mentally, and physically. On today's podcast, we're going to explore how we can break free from worry and experience the fullness of joy that God wants for us. We'll study a passage from the book of Genesis about a frightening time in Jacob's life and discover how he dealt with worry and what we can learn from his example. Life is too precious to spend it feeling worried and afraid. It's time to let go of worry and live our best lives. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Vayishlach, which means He Sent, and it covers Genesis 32.3 to 36.43. In last week's Parsha, we learned that Jacob decided to leave his father-in-law's home, where he had spent the last 20 years of his life, and return to the land of his fathers, the land of Canaan, of Canaan. In the beginning of this week's Parsha, we read that Jacob sent messengers to his brother Esau to let him know that Jacob was returning home. Jacob was concerned about seeing Esau because the last time that these brothers saw each other, Esau wanted to kill Jacob for stealing what he believed to be his birthright. Jacob hoped that Esau would be willing to reconcile after so many years, but the messengers returned with frightening news. They said that Esau was still determined to kill Jacob, and now his family too, and that he was headed in their direction along with 400 men. The verses that I want to focus on today tell us how Jacob reacted when he heard about Esau's malicious intentions. They're from Genesis 32, verses 7 through 13. We can learn so much from them, and I'm going to read them to you now. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. He thought, if Asa comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. And what these verses tell us is that Jacob became very afraid when he heard that his family was in danger and that he did three things in order to protect them. The first thing he did was to split up his family into two camps so that if one was attacked, the other could escape. The second thing he did was pray. And the third thing that Jacob did was send gifts to Esau in an attempt to appease him. The final verse also tells us that Jacob spent the night in the same place where his family had already set up camp. As you might have heard me say before, there is no extra information, not even a word in the Bible. It's God's word, and therefore, every word serves a purpose. So we have to wonder, why does the Bible tell us that Jacob spent the night in the place where he was? Why do we need to know that? According to Jewish tradition, when it says in verse 13, he spent the night there, the Bible is telling us that Jacob actually slept there. The rabbis explained that Jacob had supernatural strength and could go for long periods of time without sleeping. So the fact that Jacob slept and that the Bible tells us about it is actually very significant information and it carries an important message, which is relevant for us all. Let's back up a bit. In the first verse that I read, verse seven, we learn that Jacob experienced great fear and distress. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were in great fear and distress, the last thing that I would be able to do is go to sleep. In fact, even if I wanted to sleep, I wouldn't be able to sleep. But the Bible tells us that that's exactly what Jacob did. He slept. So you have to ask the question, How was Jacob able to sleep on the eve of the most frightening event of his life? The rabbis explained that first Jacob did whatever he could in order to protect his family. He split the camp, he prayed, and he even sent gifts to Esau. But then, once he had done all that was humanly possible, he gave it up to God. And once he gave it to God... He was no longer afraid and distressed. He was at peace and slept soundly. The lesson for us is that even though we might come to a place of fear and distress at many different times in our lives, we don't have to stay there. We can let go of worry and step into God's peace. Being afraid is not a sign that we lack faith. We all know that Jacob had great faith in God, and even he experienced fear. Feeling distressed or scared is natural, and even helpful at times. Fear alerts us to danger and gets us to wake up and take action. And so that's not all bad. But we have to remember, once we've done whatever we can do to help ourselves, we have to trust God that we did what we need to do and now he is in charge. At that point that we can't do anything else, we need to let go of fear and latch on to God. And once we do that, we can relax and sleep soundly, just like Jacob did. When you really stop to think about it, worrying all the time doesn't make any sense. No one ever worried their way out of a problem but I know that still doesn't stop us from doing it. Most people experience excessive worry at some point in their lives, and some people over-worry for most of their lives. But why? Why do we worry so much if nothing good can come from it? When I studied in seminary in Israel the year before I went to college, I spoke to one of my rabbis about this because my own worrying was really bringing me down. The rabbi shared a quote with me from a 15th century Jewish book called The Way of the Righteous. It helped me understand what causes us to worry so much. Here's the quote. Who is never free from worry? Someone who has a goal that is out of his reach. My rabbi explained that in general, aiming high and reaching for the stars is a good thing. We can and we should try to be the best that we can be. But there is one goal that is too high for any human being to reach. And that is to be God, to be in full control like only God is. Whenever we try to control things that are beyond our control, we're trying to be God And that's when we get into trouble. That's when we suffer from chronic worry because of course we can never succeed at controlling those things. The rabbi told me to draw a circle on a piece of paper and to write the word me inside the circle and the word God outside of the circle. He told me to write down everything that worries me, but to put the things that I could control inside the circle and the things that I could not control on the outside of the circle. The rabbi explained that my job was to focus on the inside of the circle, the things that were within my sphere to influence and to let God worry about everything else. Wow. That was life-changing for me. Seeing it illustrated so clearly helped me understand where I needed to focus and help me understand why I worried so much. I worried about things that were completely out of my control. I worried about my safety, about my health and about the health and safety of my loved ones. Can you relate? But as the circle exercise made clear, I might be able to drive very carefully, but ultimately God is in control if I arrive safely or not. I could focus on things in my control. But God is in control of those things that I can't control, not me. And so worrying about them didn't make anyone healthier or safer, not even a little bit. Chronic worrying is definitely not helpful. And the truth is that it can actually be quite harmful. It steals our joy, it weakens our body, and it really has negative effect on our life. I once read about a professor who was giving a lecture about stress management. He raised a glass of water and asked the class, how heavy is this glass of water? The students gave their best guesses ranging from 20 grams to 500 grams. But the professor said, the absolute weight doesn't matter. It depends on how long you try to hold it. The professor continued and said, if I hold it for a minute, that's not a problem. If I hold it for an hour, I'll have a little ache in my right arm. If I hold it for a day, you'll have to call an ambulance. In each case, it's the same weight, but it's the longer that I hold it, that the heavier and more of a burden it becomes. The professor explained that it works the same way with anxiety and worry. If we carry them nonstop, wow, that burden becomes increasingly heavy and eventually We simply won't be able to carry on. The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 12, 25. We read anxiety weighs down the heart. That's pretty clear. Constant worrying weighs us down physically and emotionally. And that certainly doesn't help us get through the challenges in life. The Bible, which is so focused on our spirituality, tells us that so clearly. Anxiety weighs down the heart. Here's the thing. It's one thing to know that worrying doesn't help and that it can even be harmful physically, emotionally, spiritually. But it's another thing to be actually able to stop worrying. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you've been doing it for years or even decades. I know because that was me. Ever since I was a young girl, I would lay in bed awake all night worrying about everything. I would think about anything and everything that could possibly go wrong. What if I got sick? What if one of my parents got sick? What if someone broke into our house? What if there was a fire while I was home alone? I would think about every possible bad scenario and I would try to figure out how I would handle each situation. I tried to be in charge. Believe it or not, none of those horrible things ever happened. And it turns out that all that worrying, all that trying to figure out and plan was a huge waste of time and energy. At the time, in the moment, I thought that I was being responsible by preparing for the worst possible situation. I was fooling myself into believing that I could control what we all know, only God can control. And I was taking precious time of sleep and precious times I could have been happy to stay up worrying. So when that rabbi from my seminary taught me about letting go of the things that I can't control and letting God take over, I made a decision. I made a huge shift in my thinking. But changing the habit of worrying wasn't as easy. Proverbs 12.25 offers some great advice about how to break free from worry. The first part of the verse reads, anxiety weighs down the heart. But the second part says, but a kind word cheers it up. Jewish tradition teaches that this part of the verse hints at three practical ways that we can get rid of the anxiety that weighs us down. The verse tells us that the solution to an anxious heart is a kind word. What do you think that means? Let's look at a few possibilities. One way to understand the verse is that encouraging words from other people can help us when we feel stressed or anxious. When we begin to feel worry creep into our hearts, we don't have to deal with it on our own. We should reach out for support from a friend, a family member, or anyone else who's in a position to help. Sometimes all it takes is someone else's calming words to put our heart at ease. And while we may feel overwhelmed by a problem, someone with an objective perspective can help us see that things aren't so bad after all. The people we have in our lives are a blessing from God. Ecclesiastes 4.9 tells us that two are better than one. Because if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Our friends and family can pick us up when anxiety weighs us down. And we can do the same for other people during their time of need. During the corona crisis, one of the things that we decided to do at the fellowship was to organize volunteers to call up 30,000 of the most vulnerable elderly people and check in on them. In addition to the food that we brought to the elderly to help sustain them physically, we understood the importance of caring for them emotionally too. Sometimes our phone calls were the only human interaction that those people had during lockdowns. And I am so grateful that we could be there for them with kind words to help dispel the fear in their hearts, to bring them peace. Words of encouragement are a powerful way to keep worry at bay. And we are blessed to be able to receive them and to give them. Another way to understand what the verse means by kind words that cheer up the heart, is the word of God. God's word, the Bible, is an incredible source of encouragement, and we can turn to it anytime that we need to. Do you have a go-to verse that you turn to when worry takes hold of your heart? One of mine is Psalm 23:4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's how I say it in Hebrew. And I get so much strength just from saying those ancient biblical words. The stories in the Bible can soothe an anxious heart too. The Bible is full of encouraging stories that remind us that God can save us from anything. He did lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He helped David slay Goliath and he can help us overcome all of our challenges. And sometimes it's enough just to read any part of God's word and feel his presence and hear his word for our life. The third way to define kind words is words of prayer. When we turn to God in prayer, we can give our worries to him and remove them from our heart. Psalm 55:22 says cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. We don't have to carry our burden alone. We can turn to God in prayer and ask for his help, just like Jacob did when he was afraid. That's what God wants from us, of the three ways to calm an anxious heart with kind words. This is the one that has helped me in the most practical way in my own journey. Remember when I told you that I used to worry about everything that could go wrong? Well, when I became pregnant with my first child, you can imagine what kind of thoughts were going through my head. I was worried about everything and I felt like everything was beyond my control. But I said to myself, Yael, life has been good. God has been very good to you. Why are you worrying? I made a decision then and there to stop worrying because my worrying was only taking away from the blessings and to actually enjoy my life, to focus on being able to receive and rejoice in the blessings God was giving me. And you know what? Most of the time, I did. But my fear and worry would still creep up. Whenever my husband, Michai, would go out at night, I would go back to this habit of worrying, and I wouldn't be able to go back to sleep until he got home. It got to the point that my husband felt bad going out at night because he felt guilty that by him going out to a Bible course or to play music with friends, that he was keeping me awake at night. And then I felt guilty about making him feel bad about going out. Finally, I said to myself, Yael, that's enough. Say a prayer, trust in God, and go to sleep. I realized that I wasn't helping anyone by worrying, and that I was actually harming me and my husband. I finally understood that it was so much more effective to pray and trust God and sleep so that I could be a good mother the next day, so I could be a good wife the next day, and so that my husband could go and do what he needs to do. Now, whenever I catch myself slipping back into the habit of worrying about the things I can't control, and I have teenagers now, there's a lot I can't control, (laughs) I turn my worries into a prayer and I give it over to God. I let go of it. I stop worrying. Not only does that clear my heart of worry, it also gives me so much space to enjoy my blessings. Rabbi Bachya Ibn Pekude, an 11th century Jewish sage, taught this. Joy dwells naturally in the heart when worry is removed. This is the teaching that I have learned is more true than anything I could express in words. I'm going to read it again. Joy dwells naturally in the heart when worry is removed. My friends, we all have a choice. We can live our lives trying to control everything and feel weighed down by all of the worry that we carry in our heart. Or we can be like Jacob. We can trust God to take care of the things that we can't control and therefore make space to experience the peace of a joy-filled, faithful heart. In Proverbs 4.23, we read, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. One of the most important things we can do each day is to guard our heart from worry because the state of our heart affects every aspect in our lives. This week, practice keeping your heart free and clear of worry. Pay attention to those times that worry starts to creep in and then try to use the tools that we spoke about today Go have coffee with a friend and share what's on your heart or reach out to someone who might be isolated and alone and ask them to share what is on their heart or spend some time reading the Bible stories and verses that you find most encouraging and turn every worry into a prayer and give it over to God. We may not conquer worry overnight, but I hope that you will find these tools helpful. I know they changed my life. As we learn to worry less, I can assure you we will experience more and more joy in our lives. Shavuot my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.